0: Formula One is back at the Hungaro Ring for Sunday's race in Budapest and what a two-week break it has been. The fallout from the first lap crash at Silverstone between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen has been the topic almost every day in the sport with the war of words and the Red Bull appeal. We got that story coming up for you. Plus, we got a preview of the final race before the summer break, the Hungarian Grand Prix. We'll have our five things to watch for for Sunday. Plus, we have our track talk segment and we'll get into the top five, bottom five from the British Grand Prix. But first, subscribe Subscribe To the channel, leave us a review if you like what we're doing. We also have a Facebook page, the Overtake F1 Podcast. Like us there. We're going to be posting news and notes, a chance for you to get into the conversation. Also, if you need to reach the show for any reason, you can email me at the Overtake F1 Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at, at Tony D Radio. All right, five things to watch for for this weekend in Budapest. And the number one, well, it could be number one, two, three, four, is obviously Max Verstappen against Lewis Hamilton. How will these two race once we're back on the racetrack on Sunday? There has been a war of words between Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, and it started almost immediately after the crash at Silverstone, and Red Bull is now appealing the 10-second penalty that was given to Hamilton saying it was just too lenient. Now, Max Verstappen did participate in a 24-hour racing simulation to test his body to make sure he is healed enough, and it went well. He said he is not interested in all the talk about the crash. He was in the car. He knows what happened. Christian Horner though, he continues to call out Hamilton, saying the move was amateur and desperate. Total Wolf saying that that's going way too far, not necessary. But the fact of the matter is, and this is a point to consider, that these two are going to tangle again. The cars are too close time and time again this season. We've seen them race hard against each other. And for many of us, it was an inevitable situation that one of these two drivers was going to spin out and crash in some sort of contact while racing. And it just so happened it took race number 10 on the calendar to get to that point. Now, I do think that the rivalry aspect of this has been very good for the sport. However, the vitriol against Lewis Hamilton on social media is abhorrent. It's awful. And I'm glad that all of the teams have stood out against this sort of racial attack on Hamilton for what happened in that accident. However, it's good that there is a rivalry. It is good that it is a heated rivalry, and it's built with some animosity. It's not just a friendly two drivers duking it out for the championship, That there is tension now between Red Bull and Mercedes that has been heightened because of this crash. Racing series throughout time have really benefited from this. But we are going to watch to see how these two react to this. How do they go about their business with this at the forefront of everybody's mind? Will it be business as usual? Will there be more of an edge to when they battle on the racetrack? This is not only going to be the top thing to watch this weekend in the Hungarian Grand Prix. It is going to be the top thing to watch in every single race throughout the season when we get back from the summer break all the way into December. All right, number two, and that's Ferrari looking to keep up the pace. Now, Scuderia bounced back nicely since the French Grand Prix in mid-June. Remember how disastrous it was for them? Tire degradation and all that. And they were, oh, so close to winning the British Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc led every lap until he was passed with two to go by Hamilton. Now, the team had impressive runs in Austria in both races there. And now both drivers are really praising the pace of this car, including guys they're racing against. Daniel Ricciardo made it clear after the British Grand Prix how tough Carlos Sainz was behind him, how tough it was to hold him off. So we're starting to see some really strong runs from Ferrari, and now it is time to tackle a track and a circuit in the Hungara ring that has similar features to the Monaco Street Circuit. And that's where Charles Leclerc had pole position before he crashed during qualifying and then didn't start the race. But nevertheless, they showed how strong they were there. With McLaren running as well as they are, and now Ferrari doing the same exact thing, this P3 for the constructors is really... Really Heating up nicely And this has become A good secondary story In the race For the championship Number three The driver market talk Is now heating up Now this is not Something to watch for On Sunday per se But it is to watch For this weekend We'll see how much news Gets generated This weekend in Hungary It is the final race Before the summer break This is when these stories Really start to heat up As we head into The 2022 season Later on You know Will Mercedes Replace Valtteri Bottas Will George Russell Get promoted If that's the case who takes the seat in the Williams? What about Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri? Does he get moved to another team? He says there are teams that are interested. This is where you're going to start seeing these kind of conversations. And it's around this time where that sort of speculation starts to really come to the forefront. Obviously, with you have a number of weeks off, this is where the media is really going to start diving it into. And it's going to it's already started, but this is where it could really start to heat up. How many stories you're going to see about who's on the move and who is staying put. Again, it's not something to watch for on Sunday per se, but you know, keep an eye on it this weekend because I think I think you're going to see a lot more of it. Number 4 Fernando Alonso Look who has scored points in the last five races, the former world champion. Alonso has been so strong in his Alpine since the Monaco Grand Prix that included a seventh place finish at Silverstone. He had the best start in sprint qualifying. He had the best start in the sprint qualifying race for the Grand Prix. Remember seeing the video of him maneuvering through the field, moving up four spots, using those soft tires to perfection? He has been a consistent factor for this team when Esteban Ocon has struggled. And, and Ocon had four races outside the points, two P14s, two DNFs. He did finish ninth at Silverstone. That gave the team double points for the British Grand Prix. Now, Alonso has had a learning curve with the car since the season started, which even for a two-time world champion is not unexpected. However, he didn't get frustrated. He worked with the team, gained confidence for this impressive stretch of races, and look at the Austrian Grand Prix. He, remember when he had to slow down? He was coming off turn nine, and Sebastian Vettel was in the queue line for qualifying. Afterwards, he said, Look, I, I thought we were out of the points. Yeah, you know, we're out of the points. But he squeezed a P10 out of that. All right, the number five thing to watch for for the Hungarian Grand Prix is the weather. Now, we do say this from time to time, but it's going to be very hot in Budapest this week, temperatures in the 90s, and the threat of rain for this weekend is over 70% at the time of this recording. Sunday, the threat for afternoon thunderstorms is pretty high, so we could see intermediates and wet tires. We saw this last year. They started on intermediates and then switched to the slicks. If it doesn't rain, though, the temperatures are going to be very high. This is a track in its terms of its dynamic, it does lack airflow, so it makes for a tiring day of driving. So the weather is going to be a factor for the Hungarian Grand Prix coming up this weekend. All right, now it's time for Track Talk, where we go through the circuit to get you familiar with what you'll see for those of you who are new to Formula 1 and just sort of give you a refresher course of what you'll see at the Hungarian Grand Prix. The Ring has hosted Formula 1 races since 1986. It's got 16 corners, but some say 14, so that's your choice. It's a circuit that's tight, it's tricky, it has long been compared to Monaco as we mentioned before. There are very few places to overtake. Qualifying on Saturday is going to be extremely important. One other note, we are going back to traditional qualifying. The sprint race that we saw at the British Grand Prix, that is going to be used in the fall at the Italian Grand Prix, a Monza. That'll be the second time that they will use that. So off the line, the cars will head into a tight right-hander in turn one, some heavy braking, and that does lead to a downhill stretch before they hit turn three. This is a problematic left-hander. I mean, it really goes left. It's about 180 degrees to the left. After that, a flat corner in turn four. Then they go back up the hill towards turn six. Turn seven, another tight corner before the straight. It's then a chicane awaits for turns eight and nine. The curbs there are going to come into play. You go to turn 10 through 13, series of medium to high speed turns, back and forth, left to right. Look for some mistakes there. Back down the hill to turn 14. Some drivers are going to go wide there. That's a right-hander that if you carry too much speed, look out. There's another tight hairpin in turn 15 before the drivers turn right onto the front straight. Pirelli going with the middle range of tires for the race. C2s for the hard, C3 medium, C4 softs. This track doesn't have any long straights like Silverstone, like the Wellington straight, the Hanger straight. The cars and the tires will always be working through these tight turners. As far as race strategy goes, you'll see teams use one stop. You'll see others go for two. Unlike other Grand Prix's on the calendar where you get a really good feel for what the right strategy should be, this one, both teams... You could see teams doing both depending on the data and what they see. This is not one of my favorite races on the calendar, but, I mean, I do enjoy it. I mean, it's a, it's a good circuit. It's just not one of my favorites. I mean, last year we had some drama on the grid. Max Verstappen crashed on his way to the grid. The Red Bull team came out, repaired the car, got it ready, was punching the gun in terms of the time, and then Verstappen ended up having a really good result out of that. So it, it's a it's one of those circuits that can have a lot of drama to it. It's, again, not a lot of overtaking to be expected. But in this situation where the championship lead is down to eight and this track is trapped. Tricky enough. You can see some results here that may really affect uh, the championship before the break. All right, so let's get into the top five and bottom five from the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. And let's start with the bottom five. Uh, George Russell makes the top of the list. And this really has more to do with his sprint race contact with Carlos Sainz. that dropped him from a P9 start for the Grand Prix to P12. He never really could get that Williams up in the top 10 and finished once again outside the points. Am I being a little hard on Russell given that he's in a Williams Maybe. But Russell in particular has really shown that he can get that car into the top 10, at least run near the top 10, and you feel like points eventually are going to come. This was just a little disappointing. Had a good sprint race. Uh, just couldn't really carry it over into the Grand Prix. And that penalty that he suffered, the three-place grid penalty, obviously didn't help, even though there was some attrition at the top with Max Verstappen out of the race. Number two, Sebastian Vettel. Seb actually had a good car for the British Grand so I'm not really going to fault him that much, but he did tangle with Fernando Alonso. He spun that dropped him back. And then he later retired the car, but I got to give Seb, but I got to give Seb some credit. He did volunteer after the race to pick up some trash. He spent a few hours doing it. So he won everybody over. It wasn't a bad weekend. If you put that into some sort of context, uh, number three, Kimi Raikkonen, kimmy has gone four straight races without a point, and at Silverstone, he was fighting with Sergio Perez for 10th, was trying to hold him off. It was a good run after a successful sprint race, but he didn't win the battle with Perez, and he couldn't defend any longer. He spun out of the Vale chicane and then was lapped, and he finished P15. So he is third on my bottom five list for the British Grand Prix. Number four, Sergio Perez. Now, this weekend was simply a mess for Checo. He spun out in the sprint race. He started the Grand Prix from the pit lane. He fought with Kimi Räikkönen for that P10 late in the race. And then at the end, Red Bull was like, come on in, get soft tires, go out and get the fastest lap to take it away from Hamilton. He couldn't get the fastest lap because he didn't finish in the top 10, but his only job was to make sure Hamilton didn't get one more championship point. All right. Number five. And this was the toughest one. And I want you to hear me out on this. Don't hate me, but Max Verstappen. I think the contact with Hamilton was a racing incident, but I'm not putting Max here for that reason. He won the sprint race, once again, started on pole and the crash. It was horrifying. 51 G's. I mean, my goodness. And the fact that he was taken to the hospital, saw the man that forced him into the crash, win the race, cut his championship lead to eight, then you add the high cost of the damage to the Red Bull car, $1.8 million. I mean, he's had to go through a number of simulation sessions just to make sure his body is ready for Hungary. So look, it's not a traditional placement in the bottom five, meaning he disappointed, didn't have the run we expected, et cetera. But I'm putting him here because in the end, this was just an awful weekend for him and Red Bull. Again, not his fault. In fact, the stewards made Hamilton at fault for the incident, but- Overall, when you pull yourself back from Silverstone, who had a bad weekend? It was Red Bull. It was Max Verstappen. He won a 32-point lead, 33 when you count the point that he got over Hamilton in the sprint race, and now it is down to eight, eight points. I think when you come away from the British Grand Prix, that's the big takeaway, is when a championship that looked like they were in control has now turned into a dogfight. And it's too bad because the crash, again, not his fault, but... It was overall just a really bad weekend for Red Bull. All right, our top five. Number one, Daniel Ricciardo. A P5 was his best result this season for McLaren. He started sixth after the sprint race, held off Carlos Sainz in the Grand Prix. It seems he's getting more and more comfortable in the car. This is his first top five finish this season. It took 10 races to get there, but he got it. And the team seems to really like how he's progressing. So he gets a top-five finish, so he gets a top-five place on my list. Now, we've seen this with Ricardo before where he's had good results and he feels like, hey, he's pulling together, he's working with the team more, and then the next week it's not so good for Ricardo. But I'm hoping that this is a kind of a change. Again, if you're going to have a fight between Ferrari and McLaren for P3 and the constructors, it's good that everybody's involved and you don't have that one driver that's sort of disappointing. Daniel Ricardo a 5 at Silverstone, top-five. All right, number two, Fernando Alonso. I said it before, I'll keep saying again, no one's had a better sprint race than Alonso. He used those soft tires brilliantly, charged up the field four spots, got a P7 start. He finished in the same spot in the Grand Prix. He's been in the points in the last five races. You know, the car is only going to be able to get you a certain result on Grand Prix weekends, and Alonso is getting the most out of that Alpine machine. He really is, and it's been nice to watch. Again, given the struggles of Esteban Ocon, he has been the consistent factor for this team so far. All right. Number three on my list, it's Lewis Hamilton. Now the winner of a Grand Prix should be getting more love. I get that, but I'm holding back. Yes. I think it was a racing incident, but I'm not team Hamilton here. He took a bold risk at cops and it resulted in a massive crash of a fellow driver. I did understand why he got the penalty. And no matter how you feel about the who's at fault debate, this race is in the books. A penalty is in there. It's being appealed as of this recording. But he did win this Grand Prix. Now, he did so by overcoming a 10-second penalty. And he got a very, very important win for Mercedes and himself. So, separate the incident. I know it's hard to do because it is the story of the race, for crying out loud. But for a driver to overcome that, to get into the pits, take the 10-second penalty, charge his way back up, make a pass with two laps to go, get a win he desperately needed because it looked like Red Bull was just simply pulling away. And obviously, he didn't have Max up at the front anymore. But... It was a bold risk. He took it. It resulted in an accident. So I can't give him too much love, but I do have, I, there are some elements to his drive that are going to put him in the top five. And winning the race certainly adds a bonus there. Number four, it's Lando Norris. Now, his pit stop was slow, right? It was like six seconds. And he was really disappointed he could not get a podium to finish on his home track. Now, that's true because you know, Max Verstappen is out of the race and Sergio Perez is behind him. He had a great restart after the red flag. He went from P5 to P3 and passed Botas. And when he had that pit stop, he gave it right back to Valtteri. He was still feeling the effects of being mugged at Wembley Stadium the week before, but his P4 moves him ahead of Perez in the standings, and now he's third in the championship. Look, we always talk about Norris in this regard, right? If Red Bull drivers are strong, if Mercedes drivers are strong, the best he's going to do is a P5. I mean, that means Perez, Verstappen, Bottas, and Hamilton all have great races, right? Those cars are too strong. So Norris, is, the best he's going to get is a P5. So now you have a race where Sergio Perez is starting from the back because he spun out in the sprint race. Verstappen is out because of a first lap crash. He's really battling Valtteri Bottas here, and he gets a P4, and that's fine. So he is on the top five list. And the number one driver, the number one driver in the top five is Charles Leclerc. Oh, so close. So close. Now, just full disclosure, I am I am a Ferrari fan. I've been a Ferrari fan for a long time. To Tifosi Worldwide, wondering if he was going to drive that car to the checkered flag. But... You knew. You just knew. It was only going to be a matter of time. You could see the interval go down and down and down and get it tightened up as Hamilton raced to catch him. And at Cops, he went too wide. He lost the lead, lost the race. But he did get the top spot in the top five because he led every lap except the last two. He also dealt with a power issue early in the race to hold on to that spot. So while I'm heartbroken for Leclerc, he is the number one driver in my top five. All right, so there you have it, top five, bottom five. All right, one note I did want to bring up in this podcast, and I was kind of really excited when I saw this, and that is uh, NFL season is coming up, and so training camps are starting to open up around the United States. And J.J. Watt, who now plays for the Arizona Cardinals, came out as a Formula One fan. And he came out as a fan basically saying, a month ago I didn't know anything about the sport, and now he's weighing in on the, you know, Hamilton versus Stappen situation and Christian Horner total wolf situation. And I love it. And this is why I started this podcast. Has. Drive to Survive has really influenced a lot of people here in the United States to become Formula One fans, and I don't want them to go anywhere. I mean, look, there's you, some of you are veterans. You've been following this sport for years. I have followed this sport for years, and I keep seeing it every day how many more people are becoming fans of this sport. And I'm glad that Drive to Survive influenced them to get up in the mornings, especially where I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and watch Grand Prix racing. I'm coming into this with a big open arm. I know a lot of, you know, people are sort of wondering how long it will last. You know, it's cool fad now, but in five years, those same people that say they're into Formula One, will they be into Formula One? I don't know. I don't know. But right now we're starting to see an uptick in the United States. And I'm glad for that because as an American broadcaster, it has been hard for me to put formula one dialogue into my daily morning show. I mean, mostly it is about football, basketball, baseball, and the news of the day. And that's again, one of the reasons I created this podcast because it does give me an outlet and also to hit new fans of the sport um, here in the United States. I know a number of you are listening around the world and I'm so thankful for that. Um, but I'm glad that to see a person like JJ Watt hitting up, uh, going on Twitter and, saying how much he's a fan of Formula One and then seeing people respond to that and saying, oh my God, so am I. You know, oh my God, I I watched that series and now I'm rooting for Max Verstappen or I became a Daniel Ricciardo fan or I'm hoping George Williams gets a point. Those are the kind of things I like seeing as a veteran Formula One fan and uh, follower and uh, a professional broadcaster. So I'm glad J.J. Watt is in the group. All right. As far as predictions for the Hungarian Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton, this is a track he dominates. He has won eight times there. A ninth victory would give him the most wins at one circuit of any Formula One driver in the history of the sport. This is a track he just continues to dominate, and I think he will now. There's a rejuvenation in their championship pursuit. I don't think Max Verstappen is going away, though, and if he stays, if these two don't tangle up again, I think he's going to be right behind them. But I am leaning towards a Mercedes victory at this particular circuit. I do like... Ferrari's chances to get a podium though I do like Ferrari's chances to do really really well um, because I just think this track suits them perfectly and don't be surprised if we see some sort of good results from certain drivers there might be some uh, some guys leaving this race early because of some accident or attrition it's a tricky circuit it really is I mean there's a lot of twists and turns and slow corners and you never know what will happen so you could see from maybe like P7 down you might actually see some results that are a little bit unexpected from the Hungarian Grand Prix. This is gonna be a long break until we get to the end of August. So enjoy this race on Sunday. We will be back Monday with our review of the Hungarian Grand Prix. And just a an episodic note, we'll be taking some weeks off, but I do plan to throw in a couple of fast lap news and notes commentary, including a special one where we recap the first half of the season, the likes, the dislikes, and the things that we expect. All right, once again a reminder subscribe to this channel, leave us a five star review. If you like what we do, it really helps us promote the podcast and grow the the podcast a number of other notes find us on facebook the overtake f1 podcast like us there get into the conversation let us know how you feel about certain aspects and news of formula one we'd love to hear from you if you need to reach me on twitter at tony d radio and if you want to like to email the show you can do so at the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com that's the overtake f1 podcast at gmail.com enjoy the hungarian grand prix be back here next week for the review of the race i'm tony de and this is the overtake f1 podcast